It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays. We're not on Tuesdays anymore. We're on Mondays. Lunes, los lunes a las dos de la tarde. At 2 p.m. Bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape. And mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. En KPFK. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people. Thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. It's here in the city, and it's National Poetry Month. On this rainy Monday, we'll be bookending the show with poetry by a mystical man. The scientists have discovered at last that there are black holes in space. The great Sun Ra. I wrote that some time ago. Mystery. <laughs> Mr. Mystery is one of those holes. The Earth is an inside-out planet, an outside-in planet. It's one of the black holes in space. Its gravitational pull is all inward and destructive to the people upon this planet. The Earth is a hole in space. Space would be a continuous continuity if it wasn't for the planets, comets, stars, other material structures, substances that form a whole lot of material vacuum according to the negative principles. Because the negative principles always reveals the Earth is a hole in space. Because if the hole in the earth is the non-existence of the earth principle, because it is surrounded by the walls of earth, then a hole in space is the non-existence of the space principle. So that the whole of earth is the whole, because the earth is surrounded by the walls of space. Planet Earth needs a new idea, another way of approach. Or else it would have to be part of history, and history only repeats itself. Black Holes in Space by Sun Ra. Sun Ra was a poet, a futurist, a piano virtuoso composer, category defier extraordinaire. And his work is the subject of a new performance 
film piece by Colleen Smith, who is in Los Angeles tonight and tonight only at the Roy and Edna Disney Cal Arts Theater, The Red Cat, under the Walt Disney Concert Hall. So tell me what you're doing at Red Cat. It's a slideshow? Yes, it's called Black Utopia LP, a Colleen Smith movie. Our arts editor, Jesse Lerner, caught up with Miss Smith yesterday after she arrived in Los Angeles from Chicago, where she's been immersed in Sunra archives and producing new work. It initially began as, as simply an audio project where I had the opportunity to cull through these very interesting um, archives of Sun Ra and his business partner in Chicago, Alton Abraham's like personal kind of um, audio tape collection, um, which spans the years between, I guess, the late early 60s to all the way into the 80s. Um, and um, there were literally, um, I don't know, over thousands of recordings, some like three seconds long, some two hours long, that have been digitized in this archive. Then they're like, you can go there and see the boxes of cassette tapes and reel to reel tapes that they've been rescued from. Um, and this stuff is really special because it sort of, um, it kind of uh, gives you insight into the creative process in terms of Sun Ra's relationship with his orchestra. Um, and so I, 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 first I was just gonna make one platter, like one 12 inch record, and there's just too much material, so I had to make a double record. And then when I was done, I'd already, that, by that point, I'd been through so many archives. His private uh, Sunrise book collection, the ephemera that was left behind by Alton, Alton Abraham, which is sort of like a material record of their business life. I'd been through so, I had so much visual material, and um, it seemed like maybe there was an opportunity to connect the two through this like slideshow and to use this old technology that was the technology that I was rummaging through, you know, when I was doing the research. And the um, archives, there are several of them, right? There's Yeah, Chicago's like a, you know, Sun Ra was in, it was in Chicago from about 45 to 61. I call it his, the city of becoming for him because it's where he like developed this persona of Sun Ra, which is what drew me there. And um, uh, so uh, John Corbett, very, very, I mean, really serendipitously stumbled over um, the basement of Alton Abraham after his death and rescued things that were being thrown in the dumpster, things nobody wanted, any any papers, any books, any anything he could, objects, musical instruments he could get his hands on. These are the broadsides that were exhibited. Yeah, those broadsides were a part of it, which was really revelatory for Sun Ra fans. Um, And for me personally, that's what drew me, was this idea of him being somebody who was sort of um, uh, not an activist, but really invested in engaging his community. And he's not ever really described or considered or thought of in that way. Um, And so I, I was really drawn to that archive initially, that's what brought me there, and then I had learned about the audio archive and was very fortunate that the Experimental Sound Studio where they're housed gave me this residency to go through that. Um, and um, it was this incredibly immersive year of just being up to my ears and eyes and Sun Ra material, and Alton Abraham, and Chicago in general, you know. Yeah. And that's where he developed this mythology about Egypt and space travel? Uh, I th- yeah, well, yes, in Chicago. And, and uh, you know, there's so many really wonderful stories and lore around how this all came about. Um, the one that seems to stick is 
him his telling of having a UFO experience down in Alabama. And then when he came to Chicago, he actually met others who shared this experience. Young, young people that he befriended. And, um, and also like an intense sort of autodidactic curiosity about the world and the origins of things and why things are the way they are. comic books and the news and the Cold War and all these things, the Sunrise actually kind of, at least in Chicago, very much credited even with the term space age because it appears on really early recordings of his, you know. Before even, um, you know, before there was an official space race, uh, he was already um, speculating about going to the moon, going to Mars, etc., you know. Um, and all of that came out of this research that he started doing in, in Chicago. And some of it seems to turn on this biblical rereading. Oh, that's a really, it's a really, really interesting hybrid between a biblical re revision of biblical interpretations and um, investigation into the available information about technology and what was even possible with technology. And this combining of that and this really wonderful intersection using Egyptology as the intersection, as the, as the fulcrum, um, which uh, I think John Sweds in his book and um, his autobiography um, speculates that that has something to do with um, 
his age and like the discovery of the King Tut tomb would have happened around when he was a child, eight years old. Which I really also related to because I was around eight years old when it was like retoured around the world. You know what I mean? To the Field Museum in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, I was uh, I went to the De Young to see that stuff on a field trip from Sacramento when I was about that age, and it was completely captivating for your imagination at that age, right? Um, and also, this was a this is evidence of a sort of black technology, black written history, like you know what I mean, and. Even though still to this day people don't think of Egypt as being on the continent of Africa, Africa right. it's actually the source of the Nile is from Central Africa. So there's really no way to separate it from its or you know what I mean. So he and and this is this is stuff that he was researching and learning about before it was sort of popularly known. Um, and John Corbett also like rescued a lot of the books that he amassed, which sort of really really revealed the 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 range of his, his readings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a visual style as well that he develops, and I've seen some of the things that are posted online from these archives mm. where you've been researching. Oh, and I, this is the first thing that kind of got me going when I got in the archive was the al the handmade album covers, hand drawn album covers, and the, there's a really consistent to to me ugliness to them. That's really about a determined determination to render sound. And I, so I, I asked John Corbett about it, and it was his material, and he started talking about Sun Ra being, having synesthesia, and how he didn't really distinguish between sound and color and materials or vibrations. They were all one thing to him. And like his doodles and the doodles of this sort of like cluster of friends that he gathered were all attempting to sort of use visual language to talk about sound, which is why the things look, like, look the way they look, you know what I mean? Um, and I, I, I actually, I, I mean, I'm still really intrigued with that and have a lot of my own theories which kind of appear in, in, in playful um, trickster-type ma manners in the slideshow about, like, um, where I, I, make a lot of, I make a lot of speculations that appear as if they're facts in the slideshow where I've drawn conclusions about things based on what I learned from these archives that I'm not terribly, I, I mean, they aren't, I don't have any factual basis other than my own supposition, but, but I'm also um, kind of uh, uh, really definitely playing with the way in which Sun Ra did the exact same thing with his own identity and, you know. The Sun Ra, the Mr. Sun. Ree or yeah. Mr. Ra. Mr. Ree. <laughs> Mr. Mystery. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he was all about that and the confusion of... Um, like, you know what I mean? This sort of, like, slippery identity. So I'm just sort of carrying on that <laughs> tradition in the slideshow. But that connects to your earlier work. Sure, I mean, you know, in a weird way, it really does. Chronicle yeah. of a Lying Spirit by yeah. Kelly... Kelly Gibran, right. Oh, wow. You is know, a... it's just weird. It's weird to... This is a film I made 22 years ago that is still, I guess, considered the best thing I ever made. That's my, not true. My <laughs> That's not true. That's how I got to know about your work. <laughs> I mean, it's the one everybody wants to talk to me about and still shows really quite regularly. Like, just this month it played in L.A. and it played in, it's playing in Chicago. It's like a constant, constant, like, on rota heavy rotation film. But it's basically about... Um, uh, I took on the persona of somebody who sort of appeared in history in different um, uh, iterations, different identities, different times and places in history. It was sort of um, attempting to claim a collective history through my own sort of body, I guess, or valence. Um, so this uh, Colleen, Colleen in the film is everywhere. She's a nun, she's a surfer, she's a Black Panther, she does all these different things. 
And then um, Kelly Gibran becomes this, I developed for this film, became the alter ego that sort of like amassed this historical legacy of this character. Um, and, and then I just kept the alter ego. Like I still use that name, you know, all, I use it all the time, yeah. And are you thinking of working more on Sun Ra and going further? It's definitely been, uh, I mean, the last show that I did that was really where I was like, this is about Sun Ra was supposed to be the end. And it, I, it, I called the show The Journeyman because I felt like for the past few years, I've literally been this apprentice where I stopped being a researcher and I stopped sort of having my own sort of creative agenda. And I literally sort of started imitating or finding corollaries between my own film practice and his musical philosophical practice and so um I needed I need that to end I need to stop being the apprentice of the journeyman and you know what I mean like move forward and yet there's it's there's so many interesting things to say and the topic of Sun Ra attracts an interesting conversation and interesting people so it's hard to walk away from something so interesting but I, I think I, you know you have to and it's not my work you know this is I would I was literally doing this to learn from him and so the slideshow is actually about like what I learned or what I didn't, didn't learn, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you worked with this marching band, too, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Part of the... You know, Jesse, there's this crazy story about that. That was basically, let's see now, almost three years ago, I applied for a residency in Chicago. This would have been my first visit, my first sort of investigation of Sun Ra in Chicago. And they, they asked that artists who are not from Chicago come and do work that is about the city. I knew about Sun Ra and this thing, but I didn't have a way of like, what do I do as a filmmaker? I don't really want to make a documentary. There are a million Sun Ra experts and I'm not one of them. So what I do, I just want to sort of celebrate this moment that he was there, that 15 years that he was in Chicago. And I had this completely, very, like quite frankly, superficial idea that I, the best thing, the best way to do that would be to have like a marching band play Sun Ra tunes. And not even to have a parade, but just a flash mob where they just descend on a site, maybe some place that Sun Ra lived or worked or something, and then they vanish. And that definitely came out of the work I'd been doing in New Orleans just previously in Second Lines and seeing how they activate space. I didn't know if there was any legitimacy to this idea at all and as, you know when you come to a city as an artist as an outsider it's easy to make really obscene assumptions and I was worried about that right so but I'm typing up the grant and I'm thinking I should just delete this whole proposal this is ridiculous and then on the radio I'm listening to KCRW on the radio comes this uh, like a brass band but it sounds like free jazz and it's exactly like, as I'm talking, thinking, this isn't even possible. Marching Man's playing jazz. It's not possible. But there, there it is on the radio. Like, as I'm typing, I'm hearing it. So I, I just stop what I'm doing. I listen to them. And then I wait for the, you know, the announcer. And they say, oh, this is Hypnotic Brass Ensemble from uh, Chicago. So I Google and then learn that these are the eight sons of Phil Coran who recorded with Sun Ra. And I still get chills when I think about it because it was like the sign. And it's a typical experience when you delve into the realm of Sun Ra that you have these crazy signs and coincidences and cosmic experiences. And this was one of them where it was literally like this message from the radio saying, yeah, this is complete. This, not only is this possible, it's already, this is already being done. This is normal in Chicago, go do it, you know? <laughs> 
So I did. I went and I found a marching man, and we're, we're going to do like a, another one in a, a few weeks. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they play Space is the Place. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and March to Chinatown? Uh, that was the first one, and um, then I had another band that's LGBT Lakes uh, Pride marching band. Um, they did one in the Hilliard Home Projects, where these really architecturally iconic projects on the south side did one uh, in the meatpacking district in Chicago, um, and then this one's going to be uh, near where I live, and um, in, um, it's going to be in Washington Park, which is a really, really sort of depressed community on the south side. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. You are listening to Here in the City on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego. And 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. An archive and a podcast of our shows is at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the City. Org. And at kpfk.org, you can like us on Facebook, if you like, and visit us at our website, hereinthecity.org. And follow us on Twitter. That was part of this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. series, right? Yeah, and there, they, there was a little flash mob that happened inside of the museum, too, with the South Shore Drill Team, and they actually don't have a musical component. They travel, this, this drill team, with these giant six foot tall sort of like dance hall speakers <laughs> that are on wheels that they wheel in <laughs> and they, they do their drills to house music uh-huh. so <laughs> I asked them if they would please do their drills to the recording we'd already made of the, the marching band playing Sun Ra and they said yeah we'll do it so they did that and then they went on another 20 minutes with the house music <laughs> it was so great and they just took over the museum there was like you like they couldn't it was amazing there's that Sun Ra LP the Disco 3000. Right, there you go. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's all, like, it's so funny because you can, it all, like, you can sort of understand the lunacy. Like, things that appear to be completely absurd about Sun Ra in Chicago, they just totally make sense. When you see kids, like, spitting rifles and, like, all this militaristic stuff to house music, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sun, Ra, Sun Ra was really quite normal here. <laughs> The Earth is a hole in space. Space would be a continuous continuity if it wasn't for the planets, comets, stars, other material structures, substances that form a whole lot of material vacuum according to the negative principles. Because the negative principles always reveals the Earth is a hole in space because if a hole in the Earth is the non-existence of the Earth principle because it is surrounded by the walls of Earth, then a hole in space is the non-existence of the space principle. So that the whole of Earth is the whole, because the Earth is surrounded by the walls of space. Right, right, right. So like, you get in the archives and you realize he was a really serious writer of poetry, which was like had a lot of like philosophical... Um, rigor to it uh, he was an activist he was standing in Washington Park and handed out these crazy bot broad streets where he's revising our understanding of the Bible he's a composer and then he totally revised like the big band this like antiquated musical form from the 40s he takes it and makes it this psychedelic futuristic still nobody has done it maybe maybe Earth, Wind and Fire <laughs> did it you know what I mean kind of a big version of the big band okay George Clinton actually did do it but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's sort of like this, 
he was like the in, in terms of an artist and a span of a career and the scope of his practice. Um, I, I'm, I was just completely blown away and compelled by that. I was like, oh, that's the kind of artist I actually really want to be. Someone who can actually take all of these different modes seriously and think of them as one thing. They're not at all separate. They're all linked. They're completely linked, which is why it seems so disorganized and incoherent is because he wasn't sort of, he wasn't like John Cage who was very clear about like a a, a a legacy, like a like a linear, like really clear archivable legacy. You know what I mean? He made sure that when he published it was like but as Sun Ra was like I seems to have been completely uninterested in that. He was too busy generating this material, you know. So several things there. One, not just beat uh, big band, but also bebop and doo-wop and soul and blues and oh, it's all R and B as a musician, like, he's actually incomparable. As a piano player, that's the other thing. Is people don't think of him as a piano player, which is how he started and which he, which he always was. And just a sublime, sublime musician, so skillful. where he would read, you know, the Bible, he would read primary sources published in the, like, 16th century. He would, you know what I mean? He didn't, he would read a comic book, and those things would be, be on the same level of importance in terms of the value of the idea to him. considered these things as high and low it was just like what is useful what is actually constructive in terms of like it aiding and abetting the work I'm trying to make and the ideas I'm trying to communicate so if I have to uh, reference um, a comic book or if I have to reference a sci-fi novel or if I have to reference this very strange travel um, travel uh, book uh, from like you know the late 1800s I'll do it that's if I have to talk about King Tut I will do it if I have to talk about going to Mars I will do it This universe is endless, and everything in it is endless. How can it be an endless universe if everything is not endless? This universe is endless, and everything in it is endless. How can it be an endless universe if everything is not endless? Then it's a part of it. Every beginning is an end. Look back and see. It's in the past. Every beginning is the end of some endlessness. Look back and see. It's in the past. 
Every beginning is the end of some endless. The universe is But the endless. path is an eternity all its own. It is not a part of the endless universe because the past had an end. From Sun Ra. It is the realm of the ended. Look backward at the past and you will see all the beginnings are there. Some of the musical pieces you heard on today's show were Rocket Number no. 9 from the singles, The Altered Destiny from Monorails and Satellites, and We Travel the Spaceways from Stardust from Tomorrow by Sun Ra. The universe is endless. Look back at the past. Be careful. Peace. I'm Sarah Harris. Signing off. Take that thing on. When you go in and out, may you have peace and level and safe. Yes. Be safe. Peace.